Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Come on, high five two people around you and say, you better be at team meeting Tuesday night. Team meeting, team meeting, team meeting, team meeting. Well, say with me, Unity. Unity, so excited about our current series that we are in, talking about where two become one. And it's so important because what we're going to discover through this series, through this month, is the power of being one. Last week, Pastor Pete preached an incredible message talking about the power of your mind, unity in your mind. James 1 verse 8 says, a double-minded man will be unstable in half of his ways. No, in every area. So if we've got double-mindedness, then we're going to have a double-minded, frustrated, divided life. And you may get by for a while, but you're not going to get away. You may get by with it, but you're not going to get away with it over the period of time. We're going to be talking today about unity in your marriage. We're going to be talking about next week, unity in your home and in your family. And then the last week, we're going to be talking about unity in the church, the vision of our church. It's Vision Sunday, the last Sunday of February. And there's also something really special that's happening on that day. We're having a special Heart for the House offering. We like to do this every year, the last Sunday in February. And we like above our regular giving of our tithes and our offerings, we like to take a special offering up for a heart for the house just to help with the vision of the church and the growth and the expansion. We've got some exciting things that we're going to be announcing to you on that Sunday. And we want you to sow into that. I love this scripture from 1 Chronicles 24, 14. And it's David and he says these words, I have worked hard to provide materials for building the temple of the Lord. In his life, he said, man, I've worked hard. One translation says, I've taken great plans to provide. Another says, I have taken much trouble to prepare, to provide, to prepare, to stockpile. And for what reason? To create an opportunity to build the house of God. But notice this, to build something for the next generations. That's what we have the opportunity through this offering to do is to build for the next generations, to build a home where people can come and learn and grow and see God move. And we just want you really to be in prayer with that above and beyond. And maybe you can make a six month commitment and pledge that money and say every month I'm going to give this amount. But please be in prayer and just ask, what can I give extra? I'm I'm just really believing. I'm believing for God to bless us in an incredible way. on that Sunday and we're going to see God move. Amen. The Bible is full of stories of unity, the power of when people come together. And in fact, our theme scripture for this month comes from Genesis 11 and verse 6. And this is actually God looking down on his people who were rebelling against him. They were in rebellion at this time. They were trying to build a tower to touch God. They didn't want anyone else to be in control. They wanted to control their lives, their destiny. Together, they were rebelling against God. But look what God says 
in their rebellion. Look, he says, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. In rebellion, God says, there's power together. Think how much power there is in obedience. That when we come together as one, we realize nothing is impossible when two become one. And that's why I believe we see so much division around us today. So much division in our homes, so much division in our nation, in our world. It's division everywhere because Satan is trying to destroy God's plan and purpose for our lives and our future. So today I want to talk about having unity in my marriage, unity in marriage. And I understand there's three, three different types of groups or sets of groups of people here today. One is that the not, the one are, and the other were. What do I mean? Those who are not married yet. Those who are married and those who were married. But when I present subjects like this, I'm always mindful of that. And I don't want to lose those who are not or who were and just speak to those who are. But I believe I've got truth for every one of you. Think about it this way. If you're not married yet, how much better to learn truth and preparation and know what to do. So when it comes that you're prepared and ready. Amen. So much better than to say, man, I wasn't prepared and ready. We're going to equip you today. Those of you who are in marriage, we want to help you because your marriage can be a lot better than what it is. Thank God for what God has blessed you with, but there's more that you can still learn. You can still grow and you can develop. And I know for those who were married, these type of subjects can be painful right now, maybe through disappointment, through betrayal, or maybe even a divorce that you're facing. But remember, that's just a season that you're in right now. You're not going to stay in that season. And we're going to teach you materials that will help you to move into the next seasons of your life. Do I hear an amen? Listen to the scripture on marriage from Matthew 19, 4 through 6 from the message. It says, and he answered, Jesus answered and said, have you not read in your Bible that the creator originally made man and woman for each other, man and woman for each other. Notice again the division, the confusion that the world has thrown in there. God made male and female for each other. And because of this, a man should leave his father and mother and be firmly bonded to his wife. Say with me, leave and cleave. That's what it says in the King James, to leave and to cleave. And as a result, we see what happens. We become one flesh. That's unity. Two become one. No longer two bodies, but one in purpose and in goal. Because God has created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate his art by cutting them apart. What an incredible picture has been painted here. That we are together as one God's masterpiece. What God desires, it's almost like over his fireplace in heaven, if there were such a thing, there's a picture of you and your spouse, that marriage relationship that God looks at and goes, wow, that is so good. They are so good together. No one, he says, should desecrate and destroy his work of art. So we want to talk about how can we truly become one? Because in coming, becoming one, there's a whole lot of give and take. A lot of things that we've got to do. Someone once asked Joyce Graham, she had been married to Reverend Billy Graham 
for I believe over 60 years at the time and someone said, what's the secret to marriage? And she said, the secret to marriage is this, two good forgivers. You got to be ready to forgive and you got to ready to work together. You see, while many people desperately want a marriage for life, a marriage that succeeds, fewer and fewer really believe it can happen for them. As there appears to be so many casualties in relationships all around us today. In fact, I believe the statistics now are almost 50-50. 50% chance of your marriage working. Now we can look and say, well, that's terrible. I look at things like that and say, that doesn't apply to me. And the reason why, let me use this example, and I've used this before. If someone was to come up to you and say, man, what kind of deodorant do you wear? And please wear deodorant, thank you. <laughs> but what type of deodorant do you wear? And you were to say to them, Old Spice. And they were to say, well, man, I just read an article in the news that they said that if you wear that type of deodorant, you have a 50% chance of developing cancer. Man, if you've got anything between your ears, you wouldn't turn around and say, well, I really like that and I like those odds because at least 50-50, I've got a half a chance of being okay. You, you wouldn't do that. L let me say it this way. If the banker came to you and said, you know your savings account that you've got, man, tomorrow um, with trading and everything, there could be a risk that you could lose half of your, or, or all of your investment. There's a 50-50 chance. Maybe not, you wouldn't turn around and say, man, I like those odds. That's 50%. I'll keep that. No, 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 no. What would you do? You would change your deodorant quickly and you would withdraw your money speedily. Why? Because you would make a drastic measure to avoid that happening. My God, we can do the same in our marriage. We don't have to accept the odds, but we can make a drastic change that will cause us not to have to suffer or go by the consequences or the statistics that man wants to throw out there. Because no one goes into a marriage to see their relationship fail. I mean, really, you don't go into it and say, man, well, maybe we'll last a couple of years. You want that to last for life. You want to marry a spouse. You want to marry someone to live with that you're going to live with forever. I want to get old and happy with my wife. Amen. I want to live with her forever. I want to be there and fall in love. That's my desire. And I don't think anyone goes, man, we'll just try it out for a year. And if it doesn't work, it's we all want to be a success. So here's a truth for you today. Are you listening today? Divorce is totally unnecessary. I'm not trying to condemn anyone if you've been through this. Because thank God for His grace and the, and the opportunities that God still gives. But divorce is totally unnecessary. Why? Because people can succeed in marriage. The problem is they just don't know how to. There's a success that we can find. We just don't know how to. So I'm glad you came today. And I'm glad that you asked. Well, pastor, can you tell us how to? Well, yes, we will. We're going to tell you exactly how to. We're going to show you God's way to build a successful marriage. Because great marriages are based on four foundational laws or truths from God's word. And when we abide by and we obey these laws, you can guarantee that your marriage will be successful. Now, no one else can offer you that same type of promise, but God can. Because here's what happens. Are you ready? Marriage works when you do it God's way. Amen. Marriage works when it does it God's way. So I want to give you today what I call four laws of marriage. The four laws of marriage.
you're taking notes today, and you better be taking notes today. Here's number one, the law of priority. The law of priority. Priority is what needs to be first. Putting something before anything else. Priority. Genesis 2, 24 and 25 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, verse 25. And the man and his wife, they were not ashamed. Again, we see the leave and cleave. But what also we see and have to understand is this. Marriage doesn't work in just any place. Marriage has to be the priority and the first place because the only way marriage will work is when it's your top priority. If you say, well, my marriage, I'm just going to put it on the side because I'm going to focus on this. Your marriage is not going to work. It's the law of priority, except for your relationship with God. If marriage is not your top priority, it is not going to work. So here's what we've got to begin to develop in our life. We've got to have what's called legitimate jealousy. We've got to allow a jealousy to be inside of us. Why? Because we've got to allow that to be a protective warning when something else more important than your relationship comes along. You've got to start getting jealous and saying, hold on a second, you ain't going to steal my attention or my affection away from where it belongs. You've got to start getting jealous for your marriage and for the proper priority it needs to be. Because you've got to begin to develop an intolerance. You can't tolerate the wrong things that separate in the right thing. You've got to be intolerant of sharing your spouse, your relationship with anything else that's going to disrupt it. You see, because here's what happens. After several years of marriage, it tends to look a bit like this, that men tend to pursue a career. That they want to better themselves, they want to have promotions, they want to earn more money, they want to have a better house, a home, provide for their families. It tends to be their drive is their career. Where women, the drive or what they focus on tends to be their home and their children. So what happens when the man's off here chasing his career and the, the mother is off here chasing after her home and her children, what's happening to their relationships? The priority of marriage is going the wrong way. Now, we can justify that and say, well, I'm working on my career for the sake of my marriage and I'm trying to provide for my family. But notice what's happening when I'm trying to do all these things. I'm perhaps losing sight of what's the most important thing and I'm forgetting the true reason maybe why I am doing those things. And we can turn around and say we need more money and we need more stuff. And we need No, 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 no. You don't need more stuff. In fact, that can often be the biggest problem. It's the more stuff you have and the more money you have, the greater the divide becomes. Now, is a career wrong? Is the home and family wrong? Of course not. They're not wrong and bad to do unless they're not in the proper order. If they're in the wrong order, then they become wrong. They may be good, but listen to me. They are not more important than your marriage. So I want to give you the laws and I want to give you practical ways that you can apply this to your everyday life. So help, let me help you to establish and maintain the right priorities in your marriage. Two ways. The first way is this. Priorities must be proven. 
Your priorities must be proven. It's not just words, it's got to be action. Because we so often turn around and say, oh, well, you're the most important thing in my life. uh, And my family's the most important and I'm doing it all for them. That's the words that we say, but it needs to be proven. And I believe here's how we prove the fact that our marriage is our priority. And there's four ways. Number one, and that is this, by sacrifice. By sacrifice. I'll give that up for you willingly. I'll let that go. Too many times we'll say to our spouse that, but we're not prepared to do that. So now they feel second to that thing that becomes more important in their mind than what they are. I'll give up that. I often laugh with people when I counsel them and, and they may like to play golf or whatever. And I say, man, you can play golf when you're married, just not five nights a week. You just got to learn those things. You just got to learn to sacrifice because it's give and take of both parts. Here's the second part, time. Time. I will spend quality time with you. There's nothing that tells someone you love them more than spending time with them. Money is the commodity of business and the world. But you know what the commodity of relationship is? Time. Time is the vital commodity that you need to build. You'll never build a relationship if you're not going to spend time with it. Well, one day we're going to... No, today you've got to prove it. You've got to be proven. Here's the next one. Energy. I will meet your needs. Some of us are so burnt out with everything we give outside the house that when we come home, we've got no more energy. We've got no more life to give to our family and that which is the most important. Attitude is another one. Come on, I want to be with you. Show them that. Prove that to them. Don't let them keep begging and trying. Show them through your attitude. Prove it by your actions. And here's the second way. You ready? Priorities must be constantly protected from good things out of priority. You've got to constantly guard good things that get out of order. Let me say that again. Good things, kids, work, church, others, they're good things, but they can get out of proper order. I want to help you today and I want to show you what your home, what your marriage should look like. This is according to God's word. I truly believe this should be the priority and the order of your marriage and your home. Number one has to be God. God has to be number one. If he's not in his rightful place, then nothing else underneath is going to fall into place. But notice what comes second, and that is your spouse, your marriage. It ain't your kids, mom. It ain't your kids, dad. It's your husband and your wife. The spouse comes second in a marriage. Then it's the children. Well, I don't like that, pastor. Well, sorry, I didn't write the book. I'm just the messenger. But I'm trying to help you to build a successful. I'm trying to make you and help you become one. Because when you put anything else out of place, no matter how good it is, it becomes wrong. And parents, what you've got to realize is this. Children are really just a temporary assignment that we have. We just don't drop them off and say, see you later. But they're going to leave our homes. They're not going to stay. We develop a different relationship where they get married and they have their own lives. It's a different relationship. But I'm telling you right now, are you ready? You need to take this down. It's not on the screen, but you need to hear this today. Families don't build around children. Families build around a marriage. 
You won't develop a good family around your kids. Well, our kids are the center. No, you want everything to be blessed. Your marriage, your spouse needs to be the center. And then everything gets built around that. You want your kids to be happy? Love your wife. You want your kids to be blessed? Then you love each other and recreate that atmosphere in the home. And blessing will come, I'm telling you. And then after that, it's church. Then extended family and friends. Then it's your work. Then it's your hobbies. Then it's your interests. Anything other than that, you're going to run the risk of not making it. Number one, the law of priority. Number two, the law of pursuit. The law of pursuit. We heard those words, leave and cleave. To cleave means to pursue or to hold on to. What do we know about marriage? If you want to spell marriage, here's how you spell it. W-O-R-K. Because marriage is what? Marriage is work. It's constant work. And notice this, please. Marriage is constant work or should be by both parties. Don't be sitting here today and saying my marriage is not going good and you're not even contributing to your home. You, you got to, it takes two to make a marriage and it takes one to break it. You got to have both together contributing together to, for your relationship. If you're sitting there doing nothing, don't blame your other person for what they're not doing. Because one thing I've realized is this, you win, they lose, you both lose. The only way you win is if you both win, then you're both winners. But one loses and the other wins, you both lose. You see, here's the difference in a nutshell between dating and marriage. The difference is this, the effort and the time that we put into it. When we were dating, we pursued each other. In fact, the man likes to pursue, he's in for the hunt. The lady likes to be pursued. She likes to woo him. She likes to tempt him. She likes to tease him. She likes to act like she's cool and not really interested and and just all that kind of stuff. Why? Because she likes that hunt. She likes him to pursue her and come after her. And so we see that in dating. We spend hours on the phone with each other talking about nothing. It just don't have to be anything. Even the weather's cool when you're dating, amen? You shower each other with gifts, you take each other out, you pack picnics, you plan special times, quality time together. But really, it doesn't even have to be quality time. Just any time that you can have together is great. Kelly and I used to go to sleep with our phones on our ears. Anyone used to do that? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're thinking. You sap, yeah, probably. But then what happens when we get married? We stop pursuing. The dates are fewer and further between. The phone calls become a text. Be home in 20 minutes. There's no communication. We stop working on it and we take each other for granted. I'm telling you right now, your marriage is going to work as long as you work on it. It's going to be great. As long as you work on it and put the work and effort in, it's going to be great. So let me give you four common misconceptions when it comes to love and romance. Misconception number one. If I marry the right person, the emotions will happen naturally and effortlessly throughout the whole marriage. In other words, man, it's just going to be hunky. It's going to be a honeymoon for the rest of our lives. We're never going to say a harsh word, our feelings towards each other. There's never going to be bad breath in the morning. It's just going to be absolutely perfect. Sorry. 
only in fairy tales, not in realities. Because can I remind you today, marriages are not born, they are made. Well, we were born to be. No, you got to make it work. You got to put in the effort. You got to put in the work. So here's the truth to that misconception: the best relationships are when two very different people go through hard times, but yet still stay together. Amen. When the emotions and the feelings go, but yet they still lock in. And say, we're going to come up with a work ethic. We're going to come up with goals. We're going to make it through this together because emotions are going to change, but we're going to see it through. It may be uphill, but anything worthwhile is always uphill. Here's the second misconception. Are you ready? If my emotions change, or really better said, when my emotions change towards my spouse, I must have married the wrong person. Have you ever thought that? Goodness me, I must have married the wrong person, missed it somewhere. Well, maybe even if you did do that, can I tell you, you apply these laws to your life, you're still going to make it work and you're still going to be very, very happy. I believe this. Here's a question for you. Does anyone know what the highest form of love is? Anyone know? Agape. Agape love is the love that God has towards each and every one of us. But you know what agape love truly is? Love by choice. It's love by choice. It's not love based on an emotion. Well, I just don't feel like it. It's based on a decision. I am going to do that. Come on, it's not based on what they deserve, but it's based on what they need. Man, we've got so good at the performance aspect. Well, if you do good, then I'll do good. Man, and we're keeping score of all these things. You don't give people what they deserve because thank God he gave you a whole lot more than you deserved. But we give them what they need because what they need is what's going to unlock their heart and touch them and help them to reach out to you. So as your emotions change, your love choice must remain the same. So here's the truth. Are you ready? Your emotions will always be changing, but you are always in control of your will. You always have the ability to choose. Well, I just don't feel like it, but you can still make the right choice. I pray you're hearing this today because it's going to help you for your marriage and for your future. Here's misconception number three. Positive events, experiences and actions should fuel our relationship and emotions long term. In other words, if I do something good today, I'm going to ride that way for the next month. Because if I do the right thing and clean the dishes and do all this kind of thing, then wow, it's just going to be hunky-dory and everything's going to be happiness in our home for months and for weeks and just everything is going to be great. Here's the truth. Are you ready? Marriages require work every day. You can't do enough work today for the rest of the week. You've got to do it every day. And here's the reason why marriage takes work every day, because every point evaporates at midnight. Come on, man. You know what I'm talking about. We think we can score points. We're going to get brownie points. We're going to do this, and then they'll allow us to go hunting three times this month. And, and we can do all this. Those points go back to zero at midnight. They're not interested in what you did yesterday. What about today? And they're waiting to see what you're going to do tomorrow. You see, here's how we've got to think of it. 
just like biblical terms. And that is this. We've got to think of it as the manna principle. What is the manna principle? Every day, the children of Israel were instructed in a wilderness to go out and God would provide them food to eat. But what do some people do? Man, I'm just going to take enough for the rest of the week and then I won't have to wake up early tomorrow and I can just stay in bed. And they did that. And when they woke up and went to the pot, the Bible says it was full of maggots and it stank so bad. And so everyone was eating and they weren't. And that's where we can be every day. I've got to do my part to provide, to be, to make the right choice, to make the right decisions. Because everything is cancelled out at midnight and today is a new day. So how can we help you with that? Oh, number four. Here it is. Number four. Number four. When we have no emotions or we have fallen out of love, there is obviously no way to get that love back. That's a misconception. Well, we're history now. There's no hope. It's, it's over. I want to give you a scripture from this. Revelations 2, 4 and 5. It says, nevertheless... I have this against you. This is Jesus speaking to the loveless church. And he says, here's the problem that you have is you have left your first love. Now he's speaking about him, but I believe this can be paralleled into our relationships, into our marriages too. And he challenges them in verse 5 and he says, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first work. In In other words, he was saying, here's what you need to do. You need to remember what you once did. And you need to go back to that and you need to do it again. So here's the truth. Are you ready? Love can return. Your love can return if you what? You remember when you used to pursue each other. Pursue each other again. Come on, Valentine's coming up this week. Pursue each other again. Go out for a meal. Buy them candies. Man, take the effort. Put it in. Pursue each other again. And ladies, don't just wait to be pursued. Come on, create a chase for us to chase you. Come on now. Come on, put some spice back in the home and in the marriage. Come on, two need to work at it together. Here's another way that we can see love return. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness for your spouse. Well, they're the one that should be asking for forgiveness. Let me help you with that. The most mature one moves first. So if you want to be the most mature one, then you move first and you be the first to say, I'm sorry. And don't say, I'm sorry, because I'm the most mature one. (laughs) Not going to work. And then the third thing you need to do is do what you did at the beginning. Here's the third law, the third law, the law of possession. And the thought of this isn't that I possess you and I have you. The law of possession goes like this. The two shall become one flesh, sharing everything. God created marriage for you and your spouse to share everything. It's not about mine and about yours. And not even the kids. I wish I had more time talking to blended families right here. But I'm telling you right now, if you say they're my kids and they'll never be your kids, your marriage will never work. You will never truly be happy because the law of possession says we have to share everything. You've got to give them the rights over your kids because I'm telling you, if you're not going to give them the rights over your kids, they don't deserve the right of your heart. Because if you're giving them your heart, the law of possession says, now everything I have now belongs to you too. Debt too. 
everything we now have is shared together. And here's some ways that we violate that. Are you ready? The first way we violate that is through dominance. We become dominant. Come on, dominant is just another way to say that we're controlling the situation. And some people can be like that. They can be so dominant. I'm the head of this house. You're going to obey me and and you're going to do this. We can have dominance out of order. The Bible says that we were created equal. And we've got to see this from 1 Peter 3 and 7. It says, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, that your wife with understanding as you live together, she may be weaker than you are, but she is a equal. She may be weaker. The thought is this. She may be frailer. She may be smaller in stature. I'm telling you right now, Kelly's not weaker than me. (laughs) Kelly's one of the strongest people. And guys, you can say that about your wife too. They are one of the strongest people. If you don't believe me, go in the birthing room and see how strong they are. Guys, we can't do that. We have a headache. We're down for three weeks. But the thought is this, yes, they are the weaker in appearance, but the thought is this, we should protect them as such. But the Bible says that we are equal partners in God's gift of new life. And we've got to treat her as you should. And then the Bible says, then your prayers will not be hindered. So what have we got to have when it comes to dominance? We've got to have the proper attitude, I call it, towards it. Because it's not dominance that we need in the home, but we do need a leader. And as a man, I'm speaking to you right now. You're supposed to be the priest and the head of your home. And so you've got to begin to lead that. But remember to lead anything, you only need a 1% over. It doesn't have to be 90-10. It can be 51-49 is all you need, 1% to have a majority. And so wives, you've got to begin to submit and allow them to have that place and have that proper attitude. Oh, yeah, we're equal, but there has to be a leader. There has to be someone. And if you're struggling with that, here's the boss, Jesus. Jesus is the boss anyway. Here's the second thought is independence will kill it. I want to do things my own way. Here's what I don't understand. If you want to be independent, then why did you get married in the first place? You obviously understand nothing about marriage because it's not about you any longer. It's about us. It's about us coming together. And marriage can be brutal for selfish people. The words mine and yours can destroy any relationship. And some spend more time alone than they spend together. What will build a marriage? Not selfishness, but selflessness. Will build a marriage and make it great. Protection is the third thought that we can use out of order. We can think, oh, I'm protecting the other person. That's not what we're talking about. Many times we're protecting ourselves from hurt and pain. So what do we do? We build up walls in our relationship and say, I was hurt before and you're just like my ex and I'm never going to allow that. So what do we do? We build up walls of protection that sure from our side look like prisons to me. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 and 4, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. Verse 4, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. It's not about independence, but it's about me realizing that now I've got to take care of Kelly because she's now my responsibility and she needs to take care of me. Because it's no longer me for me, it's now me for her. 
And it's wanting what she wants and living that way. And then as she lives that way for me, both are taken care of. And so we've got to watch for independence in our life. Now, when we say that my body is not my own, we, we don't turn around and say, man, your body's mine. That's not for abuse. God never said that for abuse. But for us to use each other and to love each other and to value each other and to help each other. So how can we practically establish the law of possession in our marriage? How can we break that and make sure we're sharing everything? Two simple things. Ask your spouse to give input. Because if we're just going by what we think, we're only getting really half of perhaps the equation. We're getting half the information that we need because she or he can add valuable information too. So ask for their input. And then the second thing, never make important decisions without input and agreement from your spouse. It's so important to have agreement in everything you do. Because if you don't and you disagree, that's another way to spell resentment. And resentment will destroy any matter. I didn't want that. That's not what I wanted. Make sure that the two of you, and sometimes you have to withdraw in a room on your own and talk about things when it comes to your kids or other things. You don't discuss that out in the open with your kids because when you stand for them, you've got to stand as a united front, not a divided front. So you've got to make those decisions together because we're a partnership. We're a partnership. Anyone with me today? Number four, the last one, the law of purity, purity, purity. It's a forgotten word today, purity. Genesis 22 or Genesis 2, 25. And they were both naked and the man and his wife, they were not ashamed. What an incredible picture when we see God speaking first about marriage, two becoming one. And then the very next thought he has, they were naked. They were totally exposed to each other and there was no shame. What a picture of what God has called our marriages to be where nothing is hidden and nothing is covered. But today in our homes, we have clothed ourselves with so much. We've got so many masks. We're we're trying to cover that we can hardly even see who the other person is anymore. Where God designed marriage to function in an atmosphere of total nakedness, physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually. And where there's purity in any relationship, you'll be able to trust each other. You'll be able to trust each other with your differences in the most sensitive areas of your life. Because here's what you've got to understand. Your spouse should be your safe place. They should be the one that you'll be able to talk about and bring any issue to them. And you've got to be careful here. Listen to me, because they need to be able to bring issues to you without feeling shamed for what they're saying. Don't shame them for the battle that's going on. Don't shame them for the struggle. They're coming to you and opening up to you. And your spouse better be that safe place because if they're not, you're going to find another place and it ain't going to be safe for you. Because your home, your marriage needs to be your priority. So how can we create priority? Band, you can come back. Three things. Number one, we can do things God's way. We can do things God's way. I think it's time that we do things God. God's way often is labeled as old fashioned. But you know what God's way is when it comes to marriage? It's this, no sex before marriage. And I know that's not very popular and everyone's like, what? But I'm telling you right now, that's the truth from God's word. 
Because the world tells us today, oh, oh you gotta, you, you, you got to live together and you got to sleep together because that's the way you show true love and you express yourself. I'm telling you right now, sex will never build a relationship outside of wedlock. All it will do is just create shame. It builds insecurities, creates vulnerabilities, puts it under pressures and takes a relationship where it doesn't need to be. So you need to establish purity, doing things God's way. The second thing is this, you've got to be careful what you say and do. It's pink and blue. It's not wrong, it's just... Third thing is this, you've got to take responsibility for your own mistakes. You've got to quickly learn how to say, I'm sorry and I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? The most healing words that you could ever say for a marriage are this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow, that's a lot of information today. It's going to be one of those messages you're going to have to listen to again. You need to get on the podcast and you need to listen to this again. I hope you've taken notes on version and saved them and they'll remain on your phone and you can look through this. But I hope in taking notes today that you haven't taken those notes to say to your spouse, see, this is what Pastor Philip said. I hope you were listening. I hope you were taking notes for yourself today. Because you see, I can't change my spouse's heart, but God can. But I can allow God to change my heart and through me being changed, God can use me to bring hope to my marriage and my relationship. Because I can't change their heart, but I can sure fester their heart and destroy their heart and frustrate their heart and push their heart further away from God. Here's what we know from God's word. Last point today. God creates anything for success according to his laws. If you want to be successful, anything God creates for success has to be according to his law. And I want you to do this if you're married right now and if you're not married, just look at your own life and say, kind of what areas, man, do I need to work on purity in my life? And when we're talking about pursuit, if we're single, that doesn't mean, well, how am I doing chasing everyone else? Talk about your own life. How am I pursuing my dreams? How am I pursuing my relationship with God? Look at that. Priorities. Where's my priorities? Is God first in my life? Because you can be working on these things, but I encourage every one of you as couples, those of you who are married, before you go to bed tonight, sit down with them and say, what area do we need to work on? Because you may have an idea, but theirs may be different. And I want you to come together and I want you to find the lowest one. Because if you're going to fill the bucket, you've got to plug the lowest hole first. And so you begin to plug that hole. If that's purity that you need in your home again, how can we create purity? How can we begin? I'm sorry, what do I need to do? Plug that hole and then you can work on the next one and the next one. Don't try and do everything at once because you're going to end up doing nothing. But you plug that lowest hole. What is it? Priority, pursuit, possession, and purity. Do these, and I'm telling you, your marriage will succeed. Bow your heads all over this place today. We spoke truth to you today. Truth that would change your life. I'm telling you, what you learned today was worth getting out of bed for. 
Because God designed marriage to be fulfillment, joy, blessing. And that's not the adjective we could describe most and many marriages today. I'm not going to fall victim to that 50-50 statistic. I'm going to do something drastically different. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it God's way. Just as we're sitting and we're just pondering right now in our hearts, I just want them just to begin to worship. Just stay right where you're at and they're just going to begin to worship right now. Come on, just begin to open up your heart right now to God. Would you just do that right now? Come on. Come on, I'm not enough without you, God.